Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Thank you so much. I feel like I've got to live up to something now, but take your seats. Take your seats, but let's just not lose this atmosphere. There's been a great sense of the presence of God in this place this morning. And I just think that if we just take 30 seconds just to quieten our hearts and our spirit before the Lord before we begin. Father, you've already spoken into our lives today. You have enriched us with your presence. We came to worship you, but you have ministered to us and ministered to our very spirit. You've met needs here this morning already at the altar. We quieten and open our hearts to you. We want to hear your word. We want to respond to your word. We want to live in your word. As the preacher, help me deliver that which you want your people to hear today. I ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I want to talk to you today about uh, faith. And I've titled my message, The Circle of Faith. In uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 17, the Apostle Paul says, The righteous shall live by faith. So faith is not something that we take up when we feel we need it. It's something that we live in and we grow in every day. Faith enables us to stand in the promises of God, to reach out in times of need, whether that be in our body or in our family, or at work, or when we're sharing our faith, or when we're seeking direction in our lives, and when we're stepping into the purposes that he has for us as his people. So turn with me to um, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 to 3, if you have a Bible, or a phone, if you're so inclined to use these things for that sort of stuff. Otherwise, it'll come up probably on the screen here Anyway, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 to 3 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Now I want you to note here the connection um, between the verses that precede this to this actual chapter. So in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39, the last verse of that chapter, it says, but we are not those who shrink back. In fact, if you look back even to verse 19 and onwards through chapter 10, you see that the writer has been encouraging the recipients of his letter to persevere in faith. He stirs those to whom the truth of Christ has been revealed, urging them to hold on to their newfound confidence 
to draw near to God with full assurance, to hold unswervingly to the faith that they profess. He speaks soberly to those who perhaps have begun a journey of life in faith, who have perhaps seen something of the truth of Christ, but maybe not fully embraced what they've seen. And then he builds to this declaration in chapter 10, verse 39, but we are not those who shrink back. I tell you this countless times in my walk with the Lord over the last 45 years, where God has used this statement to remind me of who I am in Christ, to remind me that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I am not one who shrinks back. And can I suggest that um, sometime this week, uh, perhaps in a devotional time or, 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 or whenever you can fit it in, you take time to read from chapter 10 to chapter 13, especially if you haven't read Hebrews for a while, because I believe it will build your faith in who God is and who he's called you to be. But in chapter 10, into our key text here in chapter 11, we see that the purpose is not simply that we would understand faith, but that we would press on, press in, and outwork our faith with understanding. And so the writer of the Hebrews leads us to this truth by building our understanding of Christ and the purpose of which he's called us to, to press on. He leads us through these pivotal verses in our text to see that through the examples of faith, that confidence only comes through complete faith. So the question is, did you get a drink too, by the way? <laughs> the question is, what is faith? Or, or perhaps more correctly, what is complete faith? Now, I believe there are two main aspects of faith, and they reveal to us the difference between knowing and doing or if you like, the vital connection between the acknowledgement of something and consequently trusting in something enough to actively participate in it. So number one, acknowledging. This is the intellectual component. You know, you believe something to be truth, but that may not be enough to be life-changing. James chapter 2, verse 19 says, you believe that there's only one God, good, even the demons believe that and shudder. So what this shows us is that believing something does not necessarily lead to agreeing with something or aligning with something. Demons believe in God. They believe in the one true God. But their actions are totally opposed to what it means to believe and trust and follow in God. In his letter to the Tim to, uh, Timothy, uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, the Apostle Paul talks about those who have a form of godliness but deny God's power. There's an acknowledgement there, but there's no active participation. Let me give you an example of how intellectual acknowledgement of something works. David Ratcliffe will like this. There's a cable car in Whistler, Whistler, Canada, one of the greatest ski fields in the world. And it's called the Peak to Peak. 
and it goes from one mountain to another mountain. It's three kilometres long. At its highest point, it's 400 metres off the ground. And it gives skiers the unique opportunity to ski on two of the greatest ski slopes in the world in one day. Now, you could be there. I'm sure you'd all love to be, but we can't because of COVID. You could be there and you could, you could watch this go backwards and forwards over and over again. And you could acknowledge that it looks safe. You could even do the sort of things I do and you could read the safety cards to make sure that those things are safe and that there's never been a problem with them. But that does not mean you'll get on it. Knowing is not enough. That leads us to the second aspect of faith and that is trust. This is where what you say or what you believe is confirmed by what you do. In 2017, Carol and I went to Canada and Alaska and we went to the Canadian Rockies and we hired a car from uh, Calgary to Jasper. And we took our time and we stopped and saw all the amazing scenery. Um, but one of the highlights, not long before you get to Jasper, was the Columbia Skywalk. And this is a thing that juts out over a glacier and you get to walk out and there's nothing but a sheer drop. Now, I'm not a great fan of heights. I'm okay with tall buildings, like, you know, when there's an inch thick piece of glass between me and certain death. I'm okay with that. But stepping out onto this glass platform, suspended over a valley, hundreds of metres up, this is not the thing I wake up in the morning wanting to do. So again, I did a bit of research. And I discovered that the structure was so sound that they can land, well, they couldn't really, a 747 jet on it. I'd like to see that. <laughs> so I really doubt that you could land it on it. But what they're saying is it could take the weight of it. So we bought the tickets and we took the leap of faith. We acknowledged that this structure was safe and we trusted it. One small step for a man. <laughs> oh no, that was Neil Armstrong. Some of you probably, most of you probably actually remember seeing the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And in his search for the Holy Grail, he stands on the edge of a precipice and there's nothing before him. It was not until he put his trust in the information in his dad's little book and stepped out that the point of contact was revealed. He had to trust that there was a way that he could not see from his personal perspective. That is what faith is. So the next question is, in our journey in our life with Christ, our journey into faith, how do we take what we've come to know and express it through our action and our lifestyle? The first thing you do is you, you need to examine yourself yourself 
by examining what you know. Why? Because what you know will help inform what you do. It's so important as the people of the Lord that we care enough to learn to grow in the word of the Lord. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. So first, we gain understanding, you know, and things start to make sense. And then we turn our understanding from head knowledge to heart knowledge. This is when it's not just what we know, it's what we really believe. But to complete this cycle of faith, we then have to move even further from a heart knowledge to a heart response. You see, the people of God are called to be people of faith in action. See, what we, should, what we do, everything we do, should stand as a testimony to who we are in Christ. The 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that you have. You see, what this is saying, there should be evidence in the way we live that testifies to God so that what we say matches what we do. I think there'll be a picture come up on the screen behind me of six men being led. They're all in different stages of um, sight impairment, blind. And... um, it's, it's by a uh, Renaissance artist called Peter Bruegel, and it's called The Blind Leading the Blind. And he based this painting on the works, on the words of Jesus to the Pharisees or about the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 15, verse 14, where it says, if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. See, you'll never see anything like this in real life because somebody has to see where they're going, somebody has to lead the way. You need to know what you believe and why you believe it in order for it to have any meaning. Firstly, in your own life, but also then as a light and a path to others. Because you cannot take people where you haven't been. You can't expect others to follow you where you don't know where you're going yourself. Our life must first be an example and then it becomes the footprint for others to step in as they navigate their way in their own walk and life of faith. So just as we read in Hebrews that the ancients were commended for their faith, our confidence in God through the revelation of Christ into our spirit will lead us on a pathway to active participation in his purposes. So how do we grow in faith? I'm glad you asked the question. As we read before, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Psalm 119, verse 5, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You see, there are no shortcuts to developing faith. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what God's call is on your life, there is no other way except through the pathway that God has created. See, revelation is the starting point. 
This is where there's a supernatural component that leads us to the point of acceptance or rejection of Christ. We can share with people, but we can't make that transformation. That's something only the Spirit of God can do. But from that very moment, you have to put the good stuff in to get the good stuff out. And it needs constant attention. You know, faith is like a muscle. You know, if you don't exercise it, and the older you get, the harder this gets. But if you don't exercise it, if you don't build it, you become soft. And you go from fit to fat. It's every day. Every day. It's time in the Word of God. What do we say here? God's Word is our foundation. It's every day in the Word. It's every day in prayer. Why? Because prayer fuels power. Building resources into your life. You know, when I was first saved in November, late November 1975, it was a Friday night, I felt God call me into the ministry the moment I stepped forward. I was at a large crusade in a stadium in South Australia. Nicky Cruz, some of you may remember him, uh, was a gang member in New York, um, brought into the kingdom by David Wilkerson, founder of Teen Challenge. And he was sharing and is so moved because of some of the things that were perhaps in my own life at the time. And, and God called me the moment I stepped forward I knew that I would serve the Lord with the rest of my life at a significant level. I had no idea what it was. But some aspects began straight away. Because in the words of John Newton, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. So now I could see, I immediately had something to share. But the journey of faith and ministry was dependent upon the continual absorption and application of the Word of God in my heart. I could not do at that point what I can do now. I could not do at that point even what I could do a month later. I had to continue to grow in that which God had revealed to me. I had to grow in faith through the Word of God and I've never ever stopped needing that input of the Word of God and a constant activation of prayer in my life in order to outwork God's purpose and live in his promise. Now, the truth is that how faith unfolds in your life might be a little bit different than it was for me, but one thing is always central, and that is the Word of God. It's the foundation of our faith, and that faith, if it's going to have real value, must lead to active participation in God's plan of redemption. So number one, examine yourself by examining what you know. The second thing is that you then need to know what to do with what you know. You see, when you know something, when you really know something through personal revelation, it will compel you to act on it and live by it. And then your life will unfold in the plans and the purposes of God. You know, all the faith illustrations that we see in Hebrews chapter 11 point to a practical outworking of faith. They all point to an action. So Enoch, Enoch walked with God on earth for 365 years. 
And the assumption is that he displayed his faith in such a way that it influenced others and it pleased God, and so God took him. That's why he's mentioned there as an example of a man who lived in faith and obedience. Noah, obedience to God, caused him to build an ark that was the outworking of trust in God based on his reverent fear of God and acknowledgement that God was supreme in his life. His action aligned with his belief and he was called an heir of righteousness. Abraham, even when he was first called, he didn't even know where he was going, but he believed the call and he went. And later, of course, on the mountain, the son of promise became a test to his trust in God's word and promise. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. The truth is that faith in God always leads to action. You may have heard this story before, but one of the heroes of the last few centuries to me is a man called William Wilberforce. And as a young politician... Uh, he was dramatically converted in 1785. And, and from that moment, he began to see everything around him differently. And he was moved by the oppressed plight of so many people in that season in English history. And so he dedicated himself to the abolition of slavery and to other social reforms that were needed in those days. Now, the slave trade ended in 1807 because of his relentless action. But it actually took 26 more years until the year of his death, 1833, for all existing slaves in England to be freed. So even after leaving Parliament, many years after the Act was changed, he never stopped working until slavery stopped. And he... He died three days later. After the act had gone through Parliament, there was no longer any slavery. He died. I believe it's because his work was complete. This is just one example of faith that led to influence and change. But here's a sobering thought today. There are more slaves in the world today than there was in the day of William Wilberforce. It's estimated that there's 40 million people in the world today that are enslaved, either in child labour, forced labour, sexual exploitation, forced marriage. And in some countries, there are still people who are born into slavery. The world needs faith-filled heroes People like one of our own, Leanne Rhodes, used to be on staff here. Seven, eight years ago, God called her to go to Europe to make a difference, to establish an organisation called Abolition. It's our privilege to continue to work with her and support her. She's the head of European Freedom Network where they get to speak into circles of influence all across Europe. And, and, and people who we know of, like Christine Kane of A21. We need people like this to rise and influence, bring influence in places 
the highest places, the highest levels. We need to be aware of these things. Every one of us needs to be aware of them. But just like God arrested William Wilberforce, you know, maybe God will stir people in our own congregation to something more, even in the arenas of injustice. You know, there are so many places where faith-filled believers can rise up and make a difference. I believe that, as I was driving in this morning, I felt God say, the reason that we're planting 200 churches in major cities and places all around the world is because out of those churches will rise people who will have influence in circles that we're not yet touching. And out of this own congregation, we'll see and have seen people rise up to make a difference. You're thinking, well, where, where is it going to start for me? I, I've, I've, I'm only a new believer, and, 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 uh, or, or I haven't really stretched out in that. I may, maybe you're sensing God saying something, but you don't know where it starts. You know, I know it hasn't launched yet, but something as simple as engaging with the Numacare app could be a starting point for you to find out a little bit more about what's going on around this nation or this, this city and who knows what God can do from that step that you take. You know, not long ago we finished our season of consecration and it was so good for us to start the year this way and then lead into Vision Month, which was absolutely phenomenal. But there's another side to our consecration. In Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6, it says, Is not this the kind of fasting that I've chosen to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? The question is, not just what you believe through acknowledging something, but what you outwork because of that belief. So here's the question that only you can answer for yourself. Because it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you have, the question is the same. What are you doing with your life of faith? What are you doing that leads to the assurance in what you hope for that will one day have you stand before the Lord where he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, I believe there are world changers in the room. I said that before. I really believe it. I, I, I talk to people now already that tell me about their vision and passion and we're here to encourage you and help you find ways into what God is laying on your heart. But you know, it's not enough to acknowledge a need. You have to ask God what he wants you to do about it. And now we get to the point where there's this collision of faith and action. See, the truth is that you cannot truly have confidence in your faith in God without bringing together these two aspects of faith. Faith and action. Can't truly believe without action. You can't meaningfully act without truly believing. To put it bluntly, James, who was quite blunt, says this, faith without works is dead. James Packer, James I. Packer, I should say, not the casino operator, but James... Packer was a writer. He actually has died last year, 93 years old. One of my favorite books when I was younger was a book called Knowing God. And he said this in the book, wisdom is the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it. 
You know, our wisdom comes from God and it goes hand in hand with our faith and it helps us make the decisions, not just based on our intellect, but on what God's word is saying into our lives. And so faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. It's a combination. God's not asking us to be silly. He's asking us to listen to the word, wisdom through the word. So as we come to a close today, let me, ask, let me ask you a question. For some of you, this word is a confirmation that you are doing what God has called you to do. Perhaps to others, it's encouragement to make some changes to become the person of faith in the truest sense of the term. So here's a couple of things you can do. Number one, through your revelation you've had into your spirit, why don't you determine to know God with an intimacy that eclipses every other relationship you've ever had or ever will have? And then you will be among those who understand and know God. Jeremiah 9.24, but let him who speaks with pride speak about this, that he understands and knows me. The second thing is through the depth of that intimacy, in the words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, following on from our main text in Hebrews, the next chapter, chapter 12, says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In this way, you complete the circle of faith. But you know, even then it's not really finished because our faith is... is, is there's a repetitive sense in the fact that we're always learning and growing. But it's almost like it's a spiral, always going upwards, bringing us more to Christ-likeness as we outwork and attune our lives to God's purposes. And there you are, there it is. You will always be sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. Your confidence comes through your complete faith. And your actions will reflect that in all you do, just as it did with the ancients. And one day when this life is done, new heaven and a new earth, established forever, we will see what we already believe. And maybe God is stirring you in something today. Maybe a first action, maybe a second action, or a third in relation to something that He's laid on your heart. Maybe there's some pressing needs in your life at this time, in your business, in your family, in health. Why don't we just take a moment? Will you stand with me? Why don't we just take a moment as we pray and commit to further action, whatever that is in your life today. Father, I thank you that all across this place, there are lives that you're speaking into right now. Stirring us to perhaps say, 
I'm going to take up that dream again. I'm going to take up that word that you've spoken. I'm going to step out in this area that I haven't been stepping out of. I'm going to speak to my neighbour about Jesus. I'm going to love my neighbour. I'm going to... I'm going to take those things that have hidden in my heart. I'm going to find ways to express them more in my life of faith. I pray for each and every one here, Lord God. You will stir our hearts and we will continue to grow in faith, recognizing that there's never a time we get to when there's not more to know, more to do in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.